0: Everybody, welcome to the Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. You know, we've been in the middle of the sermon series about the names and titles of Jesus. I started thinking about names and titles today when I went to the mall. I had to pick up my daughter's computer for school. She had to get a new laptop, and I had to go to the Apple store to get it. And the guy who greeted me, um, his title on his name badge was genius. He's a ge- he's a genius. And I thought that that's a that's a title. I don't think you can make your own name tag and call yourself genius. I think that's something that has to be given to you, right? Come on. Uh, I remember also um, a couple of years ago, we were getting our house painted and my buddy Nate who ran the company texted me and he said, Hey, at 9am tomorrow, three color distribution technicians are going to be coming over. I was like, what? What's a color distribution technician? He's like, "Eh, that's what we call our painters. I mean, technically that's what they're doing. They're distributing color and they're very technically precise, so it just makes sense. Of course, the greatest title in the history of the world, perhaps, was uh, during World War II when Dwight D. Eisenhower was given the title Supreme Allied Commander, which is just so cool. That's like, that's like a G.I. Joe name, like Supreme Allied Commander. You're not going to, later on when Dwight D. Eisenhower would become President of the United States, that's kind of a step down, you know, in terms of cool titles president supreme allied commander i would have been if i were him i would just been like hey can you all just keep calling me supreme allied commander uh mr president no 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 jim try that again sorry uh mr supreme allied commander there we go there we go anyway that's what i would have done anyway for the past couple weeks we've been staring at the titles of jesus and the names of jesus and this week we're going to be coming to the final one and the reason we're doing this is just to explore and talk about these things. I remember when I was a kid, I thought God's name was Howard, because we would say the Lord's Prayer every week and in church, and it was, Our Father who art in heaven, Howard be thy name. And then I saw Howard the Duck. I was very confused. It was a terrible film. has nothing to do with God. What's going on? I also thought that Jesus' last name was Christ, uh, like, you know, Dave Tisch, Jesus Christ. You know, nice to meet you. Christ, Jesus Christ, like Bond, James Bond. Uh, and we talked this week about how that's actually not the case. Christ is more of a title. And we talked about what that title means and where it comes from and why it's so important biblically to understand, not just for us to understand who Jesus is, but for us to understand who we are in and with Jesus. So let's dive in. I got Jay Kim and Sarah K. Lee with me. So let's dive right into the afterward. Everybody, welcome to the afterword. I'm Dave. I am here with J Kim. Woo! Let me You're tell right. you, here we are. About four week, three weeks ago, wow, okay. you, you came on the podcast Yes. and you proclaimed in a very loud voice, Phoenix Suns. Oh, I did. You're <laughs> right. That didn't happen. It, no, it was bad. It looked like it was gonna happen. Oh totally. Were They're up games. 2-0.
1: But they But you know, what a series. It was great. That's okay. And Giannis is what a series. an, an all timer. Incredible. Incredible. Giannis, wow. Unreal. Okay. Unreal. Okay. I'm gonna.
0: Can I, let's talk basketball for a second. Okay. Wow. Okay. This is this is weird, and I, but it ties into what we talked about. I'm from Ohio. Okay. Our sports teams in Ohio have been tortured for generations. Yes. Uh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, not great. Yes. Um, especially Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Cleveland has had a couple of near misses, um, near victories. Well, you want a title and. 2017 or something. Okay, no. Hold on. We're talking growing up. Oh, oh, as as a kid. As a kid. Okay, Okay. Okay. so. Brutal. 2002, 2003, all of a sudden, the word starts coming down the pipe. Cleveland is going to have a number one pick. Yes. And the word that was used for this young player from St. Mary's High School.
1: Yes, St. Mary, St. Vincent.
0: St. Mary, St. Vincent. In Akron, Ohio. In Akron, Ohio. Yeah. A young man, 17-year-old. Uh-huh. named LeBron James, yes. was The Chosen One.
1: Yes. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He was. He was 17 years old, junior in high school. And I
0: believe the title or the phrase yes. on top was The Chosen the One. The Chosen One, yeah. Okay, so how does yes. The Chosen One tie to the theme we looked at this past week, the Christ? Yes. is, is there Are there similarities? The way that we conceptually think of yeah. the Chosen One, the one who will lead us, the one yeah. who will become our city's hope, and will lead us, I guess, in battle, in right. this place, sports battle, yeah, yeah. In NBA battle. Yeah. Um, is, there, is there a similarity between the ancient world and how they
1: would have seen the yeah. term Christ or Messiah And yeah.
0: the way that we use the term chosen one?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You think about LeBron James, even if you're not a basketball fan. Even if you're not. You've yeah. probably heard this. You know, one of his... One of his most popular nicknames is King James. That's right. And it's a playoff, you know, the King King James, the King James Bible. But there's, it's laced with the language of monarchy, kingship, rule, reign, power, authority. Um, it's very fitting for LeBron James because he is currently being argued as one of the best. Is, yeah, one of the best for sure. People are making the argument, is he the greatest basketball player of all time? That sort of thing. The sort of um, – we have witnessed for the last 20 years or so, you know, this transcendent once-in-a-lifetime sort of athlete. Yeah. And so we've bestowed upon him – And he is brought to the city of Cleveland – a yes. championship. Yes, he so, brought exactly. home the hardware. Yes, yeah, against right. all odds. So he conquered. He conquered yes. the basketball world. Right, he, he rules and he reigns as King James. Yeah, and it's fitting. It's absolutely fitting. You know, it's a great, uh, it's a great metaphor for the word Christ, which we explored. Um, all of those things fit. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when the first century Jewish people would have heard. That word, Christ, Christos in Greek, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew, Mashiach, which means Messiah. We translate it Messiah. Those words would have immediately, I mean, without any sort of like hesitation, immediately it would have evoked very similar things. Like, oh, we're talking about the chosen one here. We're talking about a king who's going to come and deliver not... A basketball championship, but deliver us home, like rule and reign, not over another team on right. a basketball court, but rule and reign over all of the oppressive yeah. empires and evil empires of the day, and reign as king. Yeah,
0: is there a sense that we miss some of that because uh, we're not living? Uh, it feels to me like as I read church history, most people's destiny. You was, read
1: church history yeah, just for kicks on no, the Friday no, look, nights? No, look. <laughs> You know, I, as I read church history no, my usual I, Saturday I, mornings stop it. kind yeah. of casually I was reading.
0: assigned books by my <laughs> seminary professors <laughs> that I did not I would not have chosen on my own but as I look into it you realize how much people's destinies was tied up in who ruled them and who was over them. Yeah. A bad king meant everything and a good king meant we don't we, we're not that. That's not yeah. who we we're not we don't live in that kind of realm. Yeah. Um, that's not the kind of um, world we live in. So, do you think that we miss a little bit about the, the the messianic hopes that what what it meant for an oppressed people at the corner of the Roman Empire under unbelievable taxation,
1: yeah,
0: um, punishing taxation,
1: yeah,
0: um, and just oppression and and just a feeling of I can't, we can't be, we're not free this is not what we're made for. Their hopes were really holistic, and that, that this Messiah, this King would come. Yeah, um, it reminds me a little bit also of like Robin Hood when they're they're hiding out in Sherwood Forest. Yeah, and they're sitting there and what are they hoping for? The return of Good King Richard. Yeah, he's going to return because he was at the Crusades, but he will come back and reign. And in his place, the horrible king has come over. It also reminds me of The Lion King yeah. when Mufasa dies and Simba leaves, and then Scar takes over Pride Rock and ruins right. everything. And they're waiting for the return of the rightful king. Is I, are all of these metaphors? Am I just grasping at straws here, or, or is, no, is my I imagination mean, I, kind no, of... No,
1: I, I do think um, stories are the are, are the closest thing we have to sort of tapping into that feeling, because we don't live in a monarchy. We we live in a democratic society. Right. Um, the idea of a our our country is founded on. Not being a king, yeah, rebellion (laughs) against that system, you know, and grateful for it. I'm glad there isn't an earthly king ruling over us. Um, So yeah, I think the the most accessible entry points into sort of beginning to understand that feeling has to do with yeah, it's the stories, you know, all the stories that you mentioned, Um, and and I think that's important because the underlying reality of human experience is that. Uh, there there is great evil you yes, know yes um, that is scheming to oppress and overrule us as humans and that there is also a great king who has come and is coming again yeah and um, has already who proved, will set things right yeah he's going to set things right and he's already proven victorious the victory yeah. is already his and that victory will sort of culminate and come to full fruition on the day that Christ returns and we don't have great clean parallels to that yeah. culturally in the, sure. in the sort of way we live today, which is why stories are really helpful. Or actually, like, sports are kind of helpful. Yeah. Not because they're the same thing. It's not. It's just a it's, just But game. it's a metaphor, right? But it's a metaphor. You know, you A see, longing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you see the exuberation when a, a team wins a championship or something. Mm-hmm. And you juxtapose that to the tension that they felt you know, yeah. when the the uh, the result was uh, in doubt. You know, yeah. or something like when the Milwaukee Bucks are down two games to nothing right, and you right. see their fans and then you just see the building of momentum and, like, unbelievable... Bucks in six. Yeah. Bucks in six. You know? It was, it was like, incredible. You would have never thought when they were down 2-0. And, yeah, I mean, it gives us a glimpse into, like, what's happening beneath the surface of life.
0: So the reason we're talking about Kings is because this word... Christos or Meshiach yeah. in Hebrew, it, it means anointed. Yeah. Anointed was a, a process of putting oil on someone to designate them as special. And it was done to two groups in the Old Testament commanded by God. And the first, one of them is kings. Yeah, God called out kings to rule his people and to be his, his representative. Now, the word rule need some unpacking. Yeah. Because sometimes when we think rule or reign, yeah. um, it can have kind of weirdly oppressive... Again, we're Americans. Yeah. The worst character in Hamilton is King George. We hate him. Yeah. He's the worst. Yeah. Right? So um, what is it... What's the popular conception of rule and reign and how can that be, be biblically corrected? Like when you were to explain... If you were to explain what it means to rule as a king and God's kingdom... How would you describe that to people? Because that's 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 kind of an, an important thing, a distinction to pull out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the best way th- that I've found to understand it would be as a stewardship hmm. um, uh, in service of the good, you know, the good of all. So... Um, the word
0: stewardship means that you are put in charge of somebody else's stuff. Yeah. And that you have a sacred obligation to...
1: Yeah, manage ris- manage it well. Yeah, you're, you're responsible, responsible to yeah. manage it well. Yeah, I think ruling is a responsibility in God's kingdom. Right. It's not a... To uh, serve. Hey, you have all the power now, and just right. so lounge around, and they're going to feed you grapes, and right. you know, that's not ruling right, right. in God's kingdom economy. Yes. It's, it's stewardship. It's responsibility. Hmm. Um, it's coming alongside God and uh, doing the work. You know, it demands sacrifice. Uh, it demands creativity and... Right. Um, our best energies and our best efforts and all of those things. Yeah.
0: So here's the weird thing about this. You're in, in the teaching, we kind of made the point that Jesus is the true king, the anointed king. Yeah. And it, what's re- really interesting is you kind of made that point that uh, throughout the Old Testament, oftentimes, um, these characters were called the Lord's anointed, but then Jesus is just called the anointed.
1: Yeah, the anointed. Yeah. I, I didn't make the that was in my notes. I didn't. You talk didn't about have time to get teaching, to it. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So earthly kings in the Old Testament are always called the Lord's anointed and and then the, you know, the one that is prophesied about, yeah. Christ, he is the anointed. Right, right. So there's uh, a like a higher level. Yeah, so okay. these earthly Jewish kings are like almost foreshadows yeah. of the king that is to come. Mm-hmm. And the way they foreshadow in many ways is in their failure. You know their inability to do what God that wants that The anointed one will Once eventually done. do. Yeah, and you trace that story back. The reality is, it wasn't even really God's plan to give them kings. The people clamor for kings. Yes, you know, and and so uh, Samuel, God relents through Samuel, and you want a king. Here, here's a king. Some of them are good. Very few of them. Some of them are good. Most of them are horrible. Right. Uh, but they all fail. Even the greatest king, David, David yeah. you know, we talked about the son of David and the Davidic line. He does some intensely atrocious things. Yeah. You know, so, uh, and I think the Bible intends for us to juxtapose Jesus as the anointed one, the one true king, Yeah. Uh, over and against the Lord's anointed, all these yes. other kings, yes. you know.
0: But there's also this other edge to this, and you said that we're actually invited to be... Um, to take on that, that role
2: and responsibility. Yeah, kings and priests. We're yeah.
0: supposed to be kings and priests as well. Yeah. We haven't gotten to the priest part. We'll talk about that in just sure. a second. Yeah. But the king part is um and you wrote an article for the Gospel Coalition in which you talked you went all the way back to Genesis and said actually the language for humans being um stewards. Yeah. Um sometimes the word regent is used. It yeah. means somebody who's in, um, uh, an ambassador or um, a coach Co-heir uh, or co-ruler, but yeah. that makes it sound like we're God. He's the true God, but he gives us authority. You trace that all the way back to Genesis, and you say it's actually present in the word, the term, image of God. Yeah. That somehow God created us in his image to rule this earth, which is his, yeah. as his ambassadors and representatives yeah. and his faithful stewards. Yeah. And so actually built into human experience, the human design, is to rule as God would rule with him as the ultimate king and us as his, um, I guess, children or his heirs yes. or something like that. Yeah. So why don't you talk about that?
1: Because that's kind of yeah. – that's a big Yeah, idea. it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, in, in the beginning of the biblical story when it tells us that God creates humans in his image, that word image is the Hebrew word selim.
0: T S E L E M. Yeah. For those of you who can't see the T S because
1: it's a podcast, <laughs> yeah. I get it. Yeah. Tessellum. Tessellum, yeah. To say it really quick. So Selim is uh it was a really common word and thing, actually, in the ancient world, you know, in, in ancient Mesopotamia and, and beyond. Um, they were like most of the time Selim's um, described like statues, like you know obelisks crafted images yeah. Yeah. you know that represented the gods and that's almost always what they were they were like crafted images that represented the divine and then you have this jewish story um of the beginning of time and it says that the one true god he too has selim's he, too, has images. Yeah. Um, and you would expect that it would be a statue or uh, some objects in the temple or something. And no, like God's image, God's selim is like dust into which he breathes life that he eventually splits in two, you know? And like that That's a whole other conversation about God takes yeah. the rib. It's actually side. It's yeah, like yeah. God splits the man in two into male female. So man. these these statues are living, breathing, yeah. thinking,
0: and they can reproduce.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they're supposed to reproduce, go and multiply. Go and multiply know? and be, be
0: fruitful, fruitful yeah. yeah. Um and the and the words that is used is to work and keep the garden and that word work and keep is used all throughout the temple. Right. So we'll get to that in a bit. That's yeah. priestly language, yes. but the the word dominion is a ruling word yeah Uh, that's a that's a that's a that's a king word that's a royal word
1: yeah so we bear god's image to rule in the world okay which means we we essentially embody and live as representatives or ambassadors of not just who he is but what he does
0: right Mm -hmm. okay so now here comes the hard question if that's what we're supposed to be we're supposed to be god's representatives Mm -hmm. um and his ambassadors it would probably be really good for us to know what god wants and what he's like, yeah. And then to embody that, how have you seen that done well? How have you seen people? Because some people will sit there listening, and they're like, "Look, I'm a college student. I'm not a king or a queen. Like, I don't, <laughs> I, don't I don't, I don't have any rule. I work, I work at a job, and I'm 15 layers down right. from the boss. Yeah. I, I get, I get told to pick up dry cleaning. Like, I am not a king. I am not a queen. I'm not royal in any way. What do you mean I can be a king? I can bring God's rule? Because yeah. that." Is that doesn't, I'm a peasant. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm a, yeah. So, how, how have you seen common, ordinary people be kings, be queens? Yeah. In ways that you think are really inspiring to you, just in a collection yep. of, of ideas. Yeah.
1: Well, if you look at, we've talked about this a lot at Westgate and on the afterward. If you look at the Genesis 1 and 2 story and ask the question, what is God doing there? When God, you know, makes the world and he says that it is good. When you dig into it contextually and linguistically, what you realize is the story is telling us: God orders uh, a disordered world. Actually, the early church fathers they described it this way that I think it's really beautiful. God adorns creation. That's what they said. Hmm. That he beautifies um, a, a very broken. He bejewels. He bejewels. Yeah, like my jeans. Yeah, I'm that's... kidding. <laughs> I'm not wearing bejeweled jeans. (laughs) Uh, Yes, he is, everybody. I can see them. Um, Yeah. So I think that's what we're called to do. I think that's what it means to rule, to steward, um, and to serve His good world. And we can do that anywhere, any place. You can do that. You know, you were just telling me the other day about how Justice, your son, is working. At In-N-Out, yeah, he which, is. Good yeah. on him because In-N-Out is delicious, the greatest burger in the history of humankind. Oh wow, um, bold statement. I believe. Sure, it's I mean. great. It's hard to beat. So, Justice is, you know, seventeen years old, right? He's seventeen. He's sixteen. Sixteen. Right, yeah, sixteen-year-old yeah, kid flipping burgers in In-N-Out. Mm-hmm. He might ask the question, "How can I be rule?" <laughs> what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> yeah, I make you know whatever, fifteen bucks an hour flipping burgers in In-N-Out. What are you talking about? But the reality is um, he can bring order to disorder. He can bring beauty to brokenness in a wide variety of ways yeah. um, as he goes to work at In-N-Out. Yeah, He does it simply in the craftsmanship of the burger. This sounds like I'm joking because I just made the joke about In-N-Out. But really it is a, it is a holy endeavor to uh, bring about enjoyment. With good stuff, which one yes. of the things I love about In-N-Out. They use, like, actual yeah. good yeah. ingredients. Yeah, it's not, I don't want to bash the fast food restaurants, so I won't <laughs> name them. But you know who I'm talking about, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. with the clown and the, you know. The red nose. Yeah. Okay, so. And Grimace the shake yeah. Monster. <laughs> yeah. We're not naming any franchises, but Hamburglar. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, the, the, the good stuff of Earth crafted skillfully. Brought to a person that brings utter enjoyment to them as they enjoy a conversation with a friend or family over a delicious burger and a shake and freshly cut and fried French fries, right? Right. Okay, that's actually adorning creation. It feels weird to say because it's just like you're talking about In-N-Out Burger, but that is – bringing order to disorder it is in many ways bringing beauty to brokenness it is the adornment of creation and there are much more literal ways i mean it's in the way we engage a coworker in the office who's going through it right you know it's the way we extend compassion and love and generosity at school to that new kid who knows nobody and is alone yeah you know it's the way in which we um Take a you know a, a freshly freshly baked bread to our neighbor right. who just moved in, or the neighbor that nobody wants to spend time with because they're a little off or they're a little annoying. It's like there's disorder all around us. Yeah, um, there's chaos. There's brokenness all around us. And to rule, yeah. to live as image bearers of the King means to steward and to serve, to bring order and goodness and beauty. Into the disorder and the chaos. So that, like, the actual, like, literal what you do for a job or how you spend your time is of, it, like, it's, it that doesn't really dictate whether you rule or, or don't. You know, it's about, you yeah. know, how you bring order. What's well, interesting because he's sharing stories and his
0: boss. Who actually is a Christian and actually attends one of our campuses. I didn't know this. Um, But his wife's going through a pretty rough time, and Mm. she has cancer. Mm. And so he took some time off, and his team was like, we got you. Mm. And he showed something by taking time off to tend to his wife. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they showed something by stepping in to take over while he was gone to cover. And you could tell the relational closeness of these coworkers at a fast food joint is much bigger than just a stupid job where you clock in and clock out. Right. It was, it's neat. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the justice was telling me, yeah, I was just texting one of my coworkers she she was having a hard day and I just wanted to text her something encouraging. Yes. And that, that I'm like, that's actually ruling. Yeah. Yes. I know it sounds crazy to say, but you're bringing God's good rule onto the earth. Yeah. Even if you don't have any power, yeah. you have tremendous power. Right. Incredible. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's talk about the second part. That's the priestly part. The other people who were anointed in the Old Testament were priests. This yeah. goes back to Leviticus and Exodus. Actually, Exodus. Mm-hmm. Um, the command from God in Exodus when he makes the priesthood yeah. using uh, Moses' brother Aaron as the yeah. first priest. Um, they get anointed as a way of showing that they're set apart. Yeah. And priests' job are different than kings. Yeah. So how would you describe a priest's job as different than a king's job?
1: Yeah, priests were essentially mediators between God and the people, right? right? So they were the representatives both ways. They represented people, the people to God, and then they represented God to the people. Um, uh, very literally, they were the ones who sort of led through all of the ritual and practices Of cleansing. Forgiveness. Receiving the forgiveness of sins. All of those things. So they were the go-between. Specifically, to put language on it, they mediated for the purpose of reconciliation. So if you look at all of the the literal rituals and practices that priests participated in, it was all in order to bring the people of God and God together. Yes. To pull them Toward one another, yes. even in the midst of sin, which separated. Yeah, I'm thinking about some of the festivals that they were t-
0: uh, commanded to preside over, and even the ones of remembrance had offerings. Yeah, and you're remembering, and that remembering is to pull back together. Yeah, and of course the big ones were sacrifice for for sin and for cleansing and yeah. those so yeah. forth. Um. Okay, so this doesn't go well either because yeah. Aaron gets anointed and then you know it just goes south. Yeah, and we see priesthood um that doesn't doesn't always work right um sometimes they're faithful and they're really good and sometimes they're not so let me ask you a question what in the world does it mean for me to be a priest again people are out there and they're like i'm not gonna wear a vestment i'm not gonna <laughs> yeah. wear a collar i'm not ai don't feel like a priest yeah what does it mean to be a for someone, a college student, uh, a high school student, uh, a, a, a mom or a dad who works in an office, yeah. you, uh, you know, what does it mean to be a priest in those areas?
1: Yeah. Well, the first thing I'll say is that the New Testament seems to be clear that it's not just that we are called to live priestly lives. Mm-hmm. You know, you are a royal priesthood. Yes. Uh, but that Christ Himself is our great high, high priest. priest. Yes. So. Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, it's most commonly connected to kingship, as it should be. He's the king of the universe. But, but Hebrews,
0: Hebrews is really Hebrews all in. Hebrews is very clear. He's, He's the our high, great priest. high priest. You know, that whole book of the Bible is yeah. the only... Now, Paul and Peter have a little less of that. Yeah. They concentrate on the kingship.
1: Yeah. But Hebrews is all about the, yeah. the priesthood. And I think that's important to say because, again, keeping in line with... Uh, you know image bearing why do we do this why are we a royal priesthood it's not just random it's because now as followers of Jesus christians we are we are made in the image of a holy god but but to be christian like a little christ yeah. means to be formed into the likeness of jesus is right. to live the way of jesus and so that means we rule we steward and we serve in right. a kingly way, you know, right. biblically speaking. But it also means we live—we're royal priesthood because Christ is our great high priest. He mediated between us and God. Sure.
0: Um, now we can't die for people's sins, but there's no, other things that Jesus did that were priestly. Well, we
1: can mediate. Yeah, the goal is to mediate. If we are, if we are God's people, and we're a royal priesthood, that means that. Uh, where sin separates people from God, um, our job, a part of our role, is to mediate toward reconciliation. We don't make the decision, and we don't make the heart change. The Spirit of God yeah, does yeah. that. But, but we can we're bring priests. them. Yeah, we can bring them into the... Yeah, we yeah. live, I mean, a more modern way to say it is like we live evang- uh, evangelistically or with sure. a missional edge. We live as a people who are not just living for ourselves. Like yeah. Not just like, well, I'm in. I got my golden ticket, you know, and I'm part of God's family, so I'm good, you know. But rather to to see our role and responsibility as priests demanding that we live with a a very – Acute awareness of those who are far from God, and to do whatever the work we can to do get them back in, to mediate toward reconciliation. So part of that
0: is like the forgiveness. You can be forgiven, you know. Part of it is is that is 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 part of the priesthood also communicating truths about God. Yeah, to the I world? think
1: yeah, I think it's all of that stuff. So you think about the ritual and practices of priests. Yes, they mediated God's forgiveness to the people, but that did not happen until they mediated the people's repentance and confession confession and repentance of their sin toward God. Right? So that's very tricky in our day and age. So what we're not saying is go out there and hold up a billboard with a megaphone at a rock concert and say, "Repent, less evil." Yeah. Um, But uh, it is to. Look for those open opportunities when people are finding themselves frustrated because they've been running down that path, yeah. uh, looking for meaning or purpose or whatever, and you realize, like, oh, that path leads to emptiness yeah. or even destruction. Yeah. Man, it's we need to name those things. We need to name them winsomely and graciously and compassionately, but also confidently yeah. and, uh, and and with conviction, for sure.
0: Um, two stories real quick that yeah. – that that I'd love to hear your thoughts on. First of all, this past week was summer camp. It was our student ministries put on their Gold Rush 2021 camp. Yeah. And my daughter brought her best friend. Yeah. And her best friend, you know, great family. We love them. Um, But only kind of peripherally connected to the church, you know. Um, And so there's this moment where they're preaching on stage and they're talking about Jesus. And um, her friend is just like, I want that. Yeah, that's that's me. And just respond.
1: Yeah.
0: And my daughter, and we were debriefing with it later, they're, they're crying and all this stuff. And she's like, look, we are always best friends, but now we're Jesus friends. Mm-hmm. And she goes, And I want, I can't, I want to get back into my Bible and devotionals because you know I can help. Mm-hmm. I can help my friend. Um, get closer to God as I get closer to God. And I thought that that's kind of like a priestly view of her own role in her school. And she's like, oftentimes in school, I just coasted. I just coasted. And we had fun, but it wasn't intentional. So for her, it was like an intentional bringing of God into their friendship. Yeah,
1: that's cool. Um,
0: And her friend was open to it, obviously. And so I thought that was one. The other story I heard that was really powerful was my wife's boss. Um, just got a Tesla she's excited about this. Now I don't know if you know anything about Te- I don't know anything about Teslas. I don't have a Tesla. I own 6 of them. You own so, six. That's yeah, incredible. Great. Yeah. So you know all about it. Yes. So I didn't know this, but you you start Tesla's not with a key but with your phone? Wow. Did, okay, so I you, did not know that. So you start Tesla's with your phone, but here's the thing, <laughs> you only need it to start it. Okay. So if you drive away and your phone is somehow not with you, yeah. Then if you turn off the car, you cannot return it on because you need your phone. Yeah. So she is taking her son and his new wife to the airport for their honeymoon. Yeah. So, so she's driving, and somehow she has left her, like, wallet, purse, phone thing. It's like one of those three-in-one yeah. um, on top of the car. And when she got on the highway, it flew off. Oh, no. So she lost her ID. She lost her – Oh, no. All her credit cards yeah. and her phone. Holy shit! So Jesus. she gets to the airport, turns off the car – Pops the trunk, gets yeah. out, and gets back in and realizes she can't no turn phone. on the yeah. car. Yeah. And she's stuck at the airport without any ID or credit cards oh, no. or her phone. And her son <laughs> oh, is just on his yeah, honeymoon. He's got, yeah. and, he's got and so she's like, did you take my phone? So she's calling him. The security comes over. We're going to have to tow it. I guess Teslas are really hard to tow her. If you tow them wrong, they can ruin them. Yeah, so she's really yes. worried about that. So she has to actually... <laughs> She has to get a new phone. She has to go to a store to buy a new phone with no credit card and with no ID. So she has to go back home. So she has to get a cab to go back home, and it's gonna be a mess. She's gotta get a new phone. Yeah, she's yeah. got to download the app. You gotta to go to the Tesla store to get the app on, and then she's gotta yeah. get uh, somehow drive a car, another car, back to the airport, get her tesla move it out of the tow zone and have the security there drive home somehow get back to the airport get the other car back home i mean it's a mess it's an all-day thing right yeah so she is feeling really overwhelmed angry upset and so she calls a cab company and says i got a credit card at home can somebody pick me up and i'll pay with my credit card when i get home and they said that's fine a cab picks her up they're driving in silence the cab driver looks at her and says how's your day She's like, not too good. yeah. And she's just like, man, it's just been a really, really hard day, and, and I'm really overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And they, they sit in silence for a few minutes, and he says to her, yesterday my son died unexpectedly.
1: Mm. And
0: he just starts sobbing.
1: Mm.
0: And she's sitting in that moment, <clears throat> and it's this really sacred moment where he is, like, Balling because his and she's like, was, I'm so sorry, was it was unexpected. He's like, Well, he had this heart issue and we knew him about it, but he had been okay with medication and he just died. And it's my son and I miss him so much. Mm. And she just had this opportunity in that moment, I think, to be a priest, mm. to bring the comfort of God, to listen, to care. Mm-hmm. Um, and to and and so I thought about all the I mean, that's an open door to walk in, yeah, to talk about the comfort of God, to talk about. Um, the hope of God and all the things and so just listening and being with him and caring for him and trying to direct his pain toward hope and yeah. and being in that being in that car and then as she got out of the car she's like I, I realized my day that was an awesome day.
1: Right. And right. I am
0: blessed. Yeah. I sent my son off on his honeymoon and I this man had, had lost and I actually because of that calamity
1: yeah. was
0: able to use my life and right. this is what I think that that's what I'm able to use my life to help people toward God, toward healing, yeah. toward help, and so to share and to help, listen and to help. Yeah, she's as a, me-
1: mediating. Yes, reconciliation. Now, not you know who knows about who knows? that guy's faith background, but to step into those spaces where there is a void. Yeah, and it goes both ways. It makes me think of uh, when I was a youth pastor. We had a student that I loved that was was beloved in our ministry. Who this sounds so crazy because he was like 15 or 16, but he became a coke addict. Like I mean, like cocaine. Like he went from smoking weed like a bunch of, and it got so bad that uh, we had to do an intervention. His family and I was invited to be a part of that. And it's like the other side of it. We're confronting evil in his life. Yeah. Yeah. And it was uncomfortable and harsh, and oh man, it was like one of the most. Intense rooms I've ever been in in my life. Um, but also, somehow, strangely enough, in all of the tension and awkwardness and filth of it, just like drowning in love. I mean, all of the yelling and all of that is coming from love, you know? Um, and that too is priestly. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. it, again, it's all like stepping into the void where there is a, a distance yeah. between. God and his plan for our flourishing, the sort of people he longs for us to become, the sort of lives he longs for us to experience. Where there are seismic gaps, Mm -hmm. the priestly action is stepping into those gaps and, again, mediating toward reconciliation. And it looks like a a million different things. Yeah. And and same as the kingly responsibilities, you don't have to be a literal priest or like clergy. Is what we mostly think, you yeah. know, but, no, 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 followers of Jesus, we step into those voids all the time. Yeah. You know, we, we can step into those voids right. all the
0: time. It's really powerful. Did did the did the young man
1: turn? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he eventually did. Took years. Wow. Years. Long, long after he was out of our youth group. But, uh, yeah, he did. That's so okay. good. He's married. He's got a couple little kids. That's great. Doing well. Good did story. It, yeah. Well, anyway, um, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we close
0: with um, just a prayer for you, for our people to become... Um, better priests and kings Mm. in whatever realm they might have for the opportunities to be priests and kings wherever they find themselves why don't we close with just a prayer from you for our
1: folk sure yeah i would love to lord we thank you um for the gift of life and not just the the breath we breathe today uh we thank you for the gift of um a flourishing life here and now and Uh, On into eternity because of the life you gave Jesus on our behalf. So we thank you for that. We thank you that as our great King and High Priest, um, you rule and reign over us with righteousness and justice and mercy and goodness and love. We thank you that as our great High Priest, you mediated on our behalf when we didn't deserve it and reconciled us to God the Father. And we pray for each and every one of us each and every person listening, um, that we would, uh, embody those realities in the way we live in the world, um, that we would, uh, be image bearers of our great King and priest, mm-hmm. that we would rule, that we would steward and serve, uh, where there is need. Um, and that we would, uh, mediate toward reconciliation, that we would step into those voids where people are far from you. And, um, Be that go-between where those far from you might draw near to you. So we surrender our lives to you. We thank you that you've given us life. And we're so, so grateful and we love you. We pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, thanks.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish here with Sarah K. Lee. So exciting. Sarah, we're going to Bible nerd out time here. Okay, so... This week we looked at the word Messiah or Christ, and what's interesting about this term is Jesus is consistently called Christ, or Christos in the Greek, mm-hmm. throughout the New Testament. He doesn't often refer to himself as that title. He chooses it a few times, but most people um, in the New Testament refer to him as that title, Paul especially. Yes. And um, But... Um the word Christos doesn't actually appear in the Old Testament because it's a Greek word. Right. So as you were kind of geeking out and nerding out, what did you find about this word Christ or Messiah?
2: Yeah, I looked up Messiah, just basic word search, and it did not show up in the Old Testament. And that caught me by surprise.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that is strange. Okay, so, okay. So, <laughs> Unexpected. Yeah, because you think the word Messiah, because it's such a promise, it would it would show up.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: what's going on there?
2: Yeah, so I, we know Messiah it means anointed, and that word anointed does show up a lot. That's the and, the
0: Hebrew word Messiah.
2: Thank you.
0: Right, so it's <laughs> Hebrew is just such a such a fun a fun a fun language. So okay, let's talk about that. Uh, mm-hmm. So that word shows up quite a bit in the Old Testament. So scholars and theologians often talk about the principle of the first mention. Like, where does it first show up? Where where's this idea first show up? Do you think?
2: Yeah, so not that exact word, but the idea of this promised anointed one to come. I think it first shows up in Genesis in 3.15. God's talking to Adam and Eve after they ate the forbidden fruits, and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're left wondering, who is this... Offspring who's gonna crush the snake's head, but then he's going to be wounded in the process and Right. So it just starts this idea.
0: Right. Right inside in the narrative that there there will be some and the snake, of course, is this this chaos evil creature. Yep. And he's gonna be killed. So it's like, wait, what? Evil's gonna be killed somehow by some offspring? Which is great. Which is good news. When's it gonna happen? But he's gonna he's gonna get a mortal wound on his heel right. as well. So he's gonna kill the serpent but then he's going to be struck as well
2: right so we're just waiting and we continue reading
0: yeah what else did you see about um this this term anointed or anointed one because it's used almost exclusively about uh priests and kings right we have the first the, the priesthood is kind of inaugurated kind of by Aaron. he's kind of this first priest yeah. and in exodus 29 god says these priests have to be like set apart they're they're going to be God's representatives they're mediators they're right. they're called out out of the people they're different and in Genesis 29 it says take the anointing oil and anoint him by pouring it on his head that's Aaron and there's this kind of beautiful cleansing thing and they're they're going to be God's representatives so we see that but then it doesn't turn out super great i mean Aaron and the priesthood—they're not—they're not what they should be, right? So that's one right. Because the first...
2: then in Exodus 32, Aaron makes a golden calf. So
0: not great. Three chapters later, um, and the gold... Let's Talk about why the golden calf is such a big deal in terms of the violation of the priesthood.
2: Because God had told the people, so they knew to only worship God and not to make an image of God, because they were solemn. They are they They are the image of god right Right. but here they're making an image in the shape of a calf and then they want to worship that saying that is what brought them out of egypt and and, and
0: meanwhile god's up on the mountaintop with moses about making covenants saying you're going to be my people it's like um one of my professors was like it's like a wedding night Mm -hmm. and then you come into the wedding and you find out that you're your spouse is sleeping with someone else, and it's just like that is just the ultimate violation. And God's anger burns hot. This is about as hot as this is about as mad as God gets. Rightly so. And rightly so.
2: Right.
0: Right. But there's the other side of the anointing, and that's the king. The king. The king. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that.
2: Yeah. So David, after Saul is David, and he starts out great, or well,
0: well even before that, let Saul, Saul
2: starts Saul, out great, yeah. and
0: Saul's anointed. Um, right and he's chosen out of all the people and he and he starts out great
2: mm-hmm.
0: um he actually starts off very similar to David. great smart hard for god all that and then it goes it goes south right and it actually goes south so bad that he actually begins to persecute god's anointed then david comes and right. it, we're very hopeful for that right mm-hmm. and then what happens mm-hmm. there
2: david goes south too <laughs> david ends up making mistakes Murder, adultery.
0: Right, murder, adultery of his best friend. Um, And that's deeply disappointing because the king is supposed to be God's representative for his rule. So you're saying this whole Old Testament story is setting up a tension. We need a priest and we need a king. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, humans can't do this either. They can't do it perfectly, but they can't even do it consistently. And they make horrific, horrific decisions that actually lead people.
2: Yeah, it's just that... So, again, like that word Messiah is not really used, but especially through the Psalms, which are written over a long period of time, you consistently come up with this language about the future king from the line of David will bring God's justice to all the nations. Abraham, the promise to Abraham from this future king from the line of David, like it will happen. like it's, Right. It's still coming like there's still an expectation we're still waiting we got to keep reading we have to wait patiently right. God's not done yet like he's still here he's working
0: And how is this going to happen? How are we going to get the king that's the true king? How are we going to get the priest that's the true priest? Right. But
2: God's faithful. We stay faithful to him. Like, we just wait. He
0: will solve this. He made a promise all the way back in Genesis. He
2: keeps his promises. Right.
0: So, wow. So awesome. Well, Sarah, thanks for that little Bible nerd out. And, of course, I love how Matthew, the first gospel, opens it up. Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, right? He is, he jumped, this is not a, this is not a confusing thing. In case you're
2: wondering. (laughs) In case you're
0: wondering, this is how it starts. Thanks, Sarah, for being with us. Just want to say thanks to J. Kim and Sarah K. Lee for stopping by. Join us next week. We're going to be diving into our brand new sermon series called Called Out. Where we're going to be looking at the church and what it means to be the church and what a church is about. So it's going to be a lot of fun and we'll see you next week. Okay, let's make sure we're, can you go ahead and talk? You can eat if you want. It'd be, the sounds of eating would be really, I think, attractive. (laughs) Jay is chewing over the microphone. (laughs)
2: Hey, everyone.